Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. This is Sarah Powers, and I'm here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. What's up? Not much. So it's Sunday. This is one of our More Than Mom episodes, um, which hopefully you're used to by now. These are sort of our not-motherhood topics that we do a couple of times a month. It's a little different today. We usually take kind of a pop culture, beauty, fashion, lifestyle, like a fluff topic, but we have had some great listener requests for these More Than Mom episodes. And one in particular was for us to take you behind the scenes on how it is that we make this podcast and what what all we're up to behind the scenes with our business. Yeah. So I thought that was a great idea. It does kind of fall under More Than Mom because we're definitely yeah. not offering parenting tips today. No. So, um, yeah, so we're going to kind of do a few things today. We're going to take you behind the scenes of how we make this very podcast. And again, that came from a couple different listeners by request. Um, also kind of just bring you guys inside on some of our yeah. like big dreams. There's we been have. a lot of activity yeah. behind the scenes over the last like six months, I would say. So, And I feel like we're yeah. poised this fall to be, both be working almost full time on this business yep. of ours. And so I think it'd be fun to kind of just air some of our big dreams. They might not all happen, but you guys can think of this as like sitting in on one of our brainstorming sessions. Yeah. Yeah. This um, is fun. And then we'll also, give- I'm excited about this because it kind of helps me keep, I don't know, like it'll help us kind of get excited again about some of the stuff we've talked about and maybe in the summer rush, let go yeah. of a little bit. And so, also how yeah. much, cause it's easy to forget how much we actually have gotten done when there's so much yeah. we want to do. Um, and then we'll also give you guys an update on life. Listened, the podcast network that we both that we co-own, which you've heard us talk about, but we realized we haven't really given an update in several months. So Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of factor meals we tried. 
And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Okay. I'm excited about this. It's like, Me too. It, like on the one hand, it feels memory like, lane. Yeah. And... Like we're talking about ourselves a lot, but the people have asked for it. So <laughs> <laughs> just doing what you asked us to do, people. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to start with like a really quick backstory for those who are brand new. And I'm going to keep this relatively quick because for some of you who have been around since the beginning, this will be review. But if a lot, we have a lot of brand new listeners. Um, so I'm going to do like a little quick little timeline to get us to where we are. Um, and Megan, you just chime in or correct me if I'm wrong, but it's literally we're just going back in time and catching everybody up. So you, Megan, started podcasting. You are a very early adopter in 2012 with the Kitchen Hour, yes. which later became the Home Hour. And we'll get to how that all evolved. But 2012, we're talking six years ago. That's, I've been a podcaster for six years. That's yep. crazy to me. Um, and the funny thing is, like, I had heard about podcasting since like... 2003 and I remember that was when people had to like li- download it onto oh, yeah. their like sync it with their device iPod. yeah and I remember thinking oh that's never gonna last like why would anyone go through all that bother um and the only people I knew who listened to podcasts were like uber podcast nerds and most of the topics were very techie or tech politics yeah. yeah so and I just didn't bother with it and then in 2012 I was really looking for something to keep me entertained in the kitchen I've talked about this before um and I knew nothing about podcasting I was just like hey what if I just talked into a mic for an hour and kept other moms um, busy or entertained in the kitchen so they could spend more time in the kitchen and 
enjoy that kitchen hour a little bit more. So that was really the genesis of it. Yeah. Gosh, it's really come a long way. Six years. And coincidentally, (laughs) 2012 was also when you brought me on, although it had nothing to do with podcasting, except that you brought me on to be managing editor for your blog in part, I think, so that you could explore this new area of podcasting. I, I really wanted to be freed up to try new things. And so hiring you was really a big step for me in not having to manage the day to day on the blog as much right. and being able to try. And, and at the time, I mean, you and I, we've talked, we've told this story. We'd known each other for about a year and I'd followed your blog for a long time, but I really wasn't paying that close of attention yet to what you were doing on the podcasting side. Cause I really was brought on to be an editor for your blog, which was the happiest home. Okay. So yeah. in that, like three years later, two and a half years later in early 2015, you really got motivated to build out what, you had envisioned as a like a boutique network of lifestyle podcasts. Um, and I think in those three years, even your podcast had had a couple breaks and you'd gone in and out of it. But in early 2015, you and we, uh, we'd we been working together for three years at this point. You asked me if I wanted to make a mom podcast together. It was that simple. You were like, hey, yeah. would you like to do a mom podcast together? Isn't it funny that I had a blog that was all about motherhood and it took me three years to like actually put out a mom podcast? I mean, I talked about mom topics on the home hour, but yeah. like... Yeah, this is kind of funny. Yeah. So yeah, we launched that in spring of 2015. Yeah, we did. And at the time, at the same time, you were you launched a few other shows with this kind of idea of Life Listened. But really, the mom hour is the one that stuck. The others yep. either kind of fell into hiatus or really what happened is you thought you could be 20 hosts of 20 shows. And it turned out yeah. that wasn't the My case. business model was a little <laughs> whacked. Well, I think I was looking at like the way like This Week in Tech and like those big early podcast networks did it. Like those big, the people were on multiple shows, mm-hmm. but these were guys who were literally like in their studio all the time. Right. And that was like all they did. And like, so they had all their people on and I was doing a million other things. I was contributing content to like other websites. You were still I was blogging. writing. I was still blogging. I was writing. I, I had clients. Like I yeah. couldn't really just go that all in on podcasting. So at the time it was like a fun idea, but I didn't, I would just, I, my concept was flawed. Right. (laughs) But, but the idea, I think the through line here, and you know, we are going to get into where life listened is now, but the through line was always your vision, which is, you know, this kind of boutique little family of lifestyle podcasts. It just, so at the time in 2015, the mom hour took off kind of right away. And when I say took off, I don't mean like people were throwing money at us and we had millions of downloads, but there was something that that something struck a chord. We we yeah. received a response from listeners that was different than what we expected. It wasn't just our blog readers or people who knew us in real life. It was actual moms looking for podcasts who had never heard of your blog or your book or yeah. my writing that were just discovering us. And do you remember we were going to do every other week? And I want to say within like two shows, you were like, let's just do it every week. And we did. Yeah. And we never looked back. Yeah. Isn't that funny? And I think we thought that sounded so, I I think one thing, like a takeaway, if you are someone who, I know we have a lot of listeners who are thinking about podcasts or maybe trying to start their own is we really thought that weekly would be too much and it would be too difficult to maintain. But then what we found in reality, and I knew this from having done other shows is that every other week becomes very difficult to maintain in its own way. You just fall out of the rhythm. You, you know what I mean? You put off recording because it feels like it's two weeks away. Yep. Yep. And I had a really hard time getting traction on shows that were every other week. So every week was definitely the right move there. We have, um, just to put it in numbers, I mean, this we're in our regular numbered episodes, we're up coming up to 169, but we have these more than moms and we have our voices series. So we're over 200 episodes and we have 
we have done like, I want to say two hiatus weeks in our first year. And then the second year, I want to say we did two reruns, which is where we rerun an old episode on a day that we're not publishing a new show. And then in the last year and a half, we have not missed a Tuesday new episode, including crazy. holidays and summers. I didn't even realize that we yeah. have not missed one Tuesday episode. That's yeah. insane. And we'll get into, I mean, we have, we have sponsor clients now and a lot so of that can. drives our yeah. business and we'll get into all that. But also we just, it's just a discipline thing. We might have trouble with our workout discipline, but we don't really struggle with our podcast habit we've we've created a very a very solid habit and so we just keep doing yeah okay so um we Sarah one second sorry I think someone in my house is using something streaming I'm getting roboting from you you're probably not from me but I just want to make them shut it off absolutely all right one sec okay guys this is Sarah I think I'm going to leave that in I'm going to cut out a little of the silence and the waiting but this is actually a totally typical thing that happens our internet gets slow a kid interrupts us a dog barks we take a little break and then I edit it out, but I'm going to leave it in this time. Now I got to wait for her to come back. Megan's probably yelling at one of her kids, not yelling. She doesn't yell. She's not a yelly mom. Here she comes. Ah, they moved my modem. Oh, stinkers. Guess what? I decided I'm going to leave that in and cut out the silence. So our listeners just heard a pretty typical interruption. Okay. In our recording. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to just keep going. But that, guys, yep. is pretty typical of what happens at least once yep. a recording episode. Not just <laughs> your kids, typical. Megan, but just something. No. Something well, there's been many times we've had to pause it where like someone's gaming or someone's watching something and then we have to stop and like run. And when you said roboting, that actually sounds like it's like I'm talking and listeners, you probably hear me fine. But to Megan, I sound like. Yep. She sounds like a robot. <laughs> But like only every other or every third word. It's just really bizarre. So. Yeah. And didn't we have this thing for a while where I sound like Mickey Mouse? Yeah, it's usually when we first jump on together. And then we've also had delays where we have to say yeah. duck and quack. Um, all right. I'm going to keep going. I think we need to share the duck quack thing really quick. Okay, this I think, is so silly. I know. I think we've shared it before, but we will again. There is sometimes an internet delay, which means I say something and then it sounds like there's a really long pause before Megan answers me. And then it sounds like I'm talking over her. And it's so the way we have figured out to uh, test if there's a delay is one of us says duck and the other says quack right after. And if there's a gap between the duck and the quack, we know we have a delay. It's really funny. <laughs> It's like, and I have no idea where that came from. No, you made it up. Just something you. I know, but why? It's why so duck silly. I don't know. Um, okay, yeah, so okay, back on track. Duck people, quack. <laughs> um, in okay, so the Mom Hour launches in 2015. It takes off. You know, it starts to grow, and we realize we've got something. But it wasn't until December of 2016, so a year and a half later, all that time, I was still sort of working for you in a way, Megan, or we had this other weird, first of all, we weren't really making money on the podcast, but I had been working for you for years in this other capacity. So we kind of kept that arrangement and the happiest home blog was still going. And in the fall of 2016, you decided to shut down the blog. And then in December of 2016, we went on a planning retreat together to Denver and In a hotel room, in two beds, side by side, like we often find ourselves, we decided to make life, two things. Number one, to make Life Listened a real podcast network and to do it for real based on the success we'd had with the Mom Hour. And number two, Mm -hmm. to do it as 50-50 partners. And that was was big. But looking at the dates, it almost is surprising to me that it was a year and a half into 
the mom hour because in my mind it was all kind of happened quickly and all at the same time. So in my mind that all happened in my mind, we shut the blog down in 2015. I totally forgot that didn't happen until right before we had that meeting. So you uh, yeah, it was kind been. of on a slow sunsetting for a while. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was dying of neglect. But yeah, we both had a lot of other stuff going on. We had other writing happening and stuff and I, like that. And we yeah. just had this and going I wasn't, on the side. I had moved to California and I was not doing very much work at all other than showing up and right. recording the podcast with you. And you kept me on retainer for a few small things. But I really I had a toddler. I had just moved. So I had really backed off on work. So I feel like for a lot of you listeners, that's kind of where a lot of you kind of picked up. And some of you, this might sound familiar, but in the spring of 2017, so a little over a year ago, we brought back one show into life listen the home hour and then in the fall of 2017 we launched four more new shows which was insane i get a little bit of yes. ptsd thinking back it was just a year ago we were starting to launch those four so last year we launched five shows under the life listen banner um and again i'm going to just leave that for now because we're going to update you guys toward the end of the show um and and yeah through all of this as i mentioned the mom hour has put out at least one show a week, now more than one without breaks or hiatus. It's crazy. And I had just started a full-time job. And so I remember lots of like surreptitious breaks where I'd be voxing you like yep. in the bathroom or I'd go out to my car yep. so I could listen to a vox just to make sure it wasn't, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, stealing time from my employer, right. but like just making sure that like it wasn't an emergency. Yep. And, and like, so I'd be listening. There Meg, were emergencies. There Megan were like to put out. Yeah. You like to tell me there are no podcast emergencies, but I have felt that there are. They sometimes. have felt they have emergent emergent. Um, all right. So let's I think this is what the people really want. Let's talk a little bit about how we actually like the functional what we do to make this show the mom hour. And like you said, we have quite a few listeners who are starting a podcast or have started a podcast or are interested in starting a podcast. And then some I think if you're like me, I just really like to know how things work behind the scenes. I think it's really yeah. interesting. So um, all right. So I guess let's talk about our recording setup. Like, where are you right now and what's surrounding you? I'm on my bed. Shocking. Um, to my right, I have a um, tea mug and three empty LaCroix cans. One just has a little trickle left in it. <laughs> but uh, I wish I had another one because I'm going to be thirsty. Um, I don't know. Surrounded by notebooks and pens and all that kind of stuff. What and, about you? And you have a microphone, right? It looks like. Oh, yes. Okay. So, yes, I have <laughs> that's, a microphone. That's how this works. Okay. Sorry. That's how this works. I'm talking into a microphone. It is the Audio Technica 2100, right? Yes, it is. ATR 2100. Looking at it right now. Mm -hmm. ATR 2100. Can't believe I remember that off the top of my head. And I have a pair of um, nice headphones that my radio co host gave me, but I also sometimes just use earbuds. And they are both plugged into your laptop computer, correct? They're both plugged into my MacBook Air. Okay. And then I and yep. I am the same setup, only I am sitting at the edge of a bottom bunk with blankets draped <laughs> around me in front of me. So I'm talking into a blanket fort. I'm sitting on the floor. My legs are kind of underneath the bed. Um, the laptop and the mic, our Audio-Technica mics come with a little teeny tripod. So it is like on its own little mic stand. Um, and, and my mic is rested on my boobs. Yes. you. I, I have not yet found a good in-bed situation that holds the mic for me. So this I is a real thing, you guys. Work. It is the cleavage <laughs> mic stand. Hashtag. Yes. I don't know what the, I don't, don't even know what that hashtag is actually. I don't know. I don't think we want to go there. No. Um, so yeah, it's as simple as that. Computer, headphones. My, I just use earbuds. Computer, headphones, and mic. Um, and uh, for best sound quality, lots of blankets, pillows, 
fewer high ceilings and open spaces in an ideal world. Yeah. Um, so I guess I wanted to just kind of explain how this works. Like we record, we sit down. You guys already heard one little where we have to pause and we would normally edit that out. And I am going to edit out like some of the extended silence while you walked down the hall. But we anything that happens like that, we edit out. Any little time we mess up, especially during a sponsor spot, we edit that out. We have a couple of sources of great sound editing that we use, sound production. So we do outsource that. But what we end up with is a big audio file, right? We have one that is yep. right when we were done recording. Oh, I should say we record uh, we're using a pro- program called CleanFeed. And it's a free service. It's cleanfeed.net. And it allows us to talk to each other, just like Skype or Zoom or anything else. We don't see each other. We only hearing each other Um, and it records us in two channels one on the right one on the left and somebody edits that down we do outsource that editing so it gets edited the music and the intro gets added on to the front any mess ups get edited out a little music on the end and then again you have a this giant audio file and that audio file goes to a podcast hosting company, um, which if you've ever had a blog or a website, you know, you have your web host, right? Like your GoDaddy or your Bluehost or your whatever. Um, and podcast hosting is basically the company we pay to store and maintain giant audio files and make them available in the way they need to be available, right? Did I explain yep. that correctly, Megan? You explained like- it extremely well. I will also add that the company that hosts our files also tracks um, how many people are listening to it and yes. tells us where those people live. Yes. And what devices they're using. So it's just interesting to see how you guys are listening. Um, yeah. Obviously, most of you are listening on some kind of Apple device, but not but not even that big of a majority anymore. So it's kind of right. interesting how that's changing. And and it also is interesting because a lot of people still listen in a browser window. That always surprises yep. us as opposed to through a podcast app. Like you, I still do sometimes when I'm on my computer anyway, yeah. I'll fire up a, a podcast on my computer because I'm already on it. Right. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So that's kind of, I think that's the functional stuff in terms of like mess ups. We talked about duck and quack, talked about kids interrupting that happens. Um, I feel like it's gotten easier um, with the internet connection. We used to have a lot more problems with, you know, being able to hear yes. each other. And that is pretty, we've had a good run now where that is less of a we problem. We have, but. that has been good. Um, I will say we've, we, you know, one thing that I think is something you never really think about ahead of time is just the random stuff, like really loud trucks going by yes. or construction in your neighborhood, or you had like stuff going on in your house or yes. my air conditioning vent is right next to my bed. So I can't have the AC on when I'm recording. Yes. And some days that really stinks. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it really does. I got a hot computer in my lap and no AC. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. definitely. And that also brings up a good point that we have gone through big swings of how far ahead we record. Um, I would say we're not in the, we're not, uh, do what we say, not what we do. Don't, don't, uh, don't follow our example because this summer and any summer, anytime where we're really pressed for time, we're recording probably two days ahead of time. Now it happens that we have some production assistants, some sound editors who can deal with that kind of turnaround. If you're doing your own editing and by by the way, a lot of podcasters do their own editing. It is something that's possible to teach yourself when it gets really hard is if you are struggling with sound quality. That's when I would really recommend working with like a consultant or somebody who can teach you. It's totally possible to do it yourself, but I think having a professional consult with you at least or somebody that you can pay like, oh my gosh, I just did this interview and the sound's not great. Can you fix it? Like it's really helpful to have somebody like that in your back pocket. And for us, we, and yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just well, going to say, we say always someone to tell you and someone how to tell you how to do it. Cause I think at first we didn't, I mean, it took us a long time just to get our basic quality that was coming out any good. And the, the better the quality you start with, the 
the better the show is going to end up in the end with the least amount of work and expense or exactly. time. Exactly. Um, but we didn't know, like we took us a long time to figure out like hard walls, create bouncing sounds, stuff yeah. like that. Or like if there's these huge ceilings are creating an echo. I mean, it just took us a while to kind of figure that stuff out. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there's almost two extremes. There's people who will say, or who think, Oh, anybody can do it. Like just record yourself and just do it yourself. And I think that's great. It comes from the right spirit. There's other people who are afraid that they're going to have to book a studio and do it completely professionally. And I think We've gone somewhere in the middle. Like we definitely take pains and have outsourced some yeah. things to make sure we sound pretty good. But we also do it from our homes with kids in the house yeah. and life happens. Um, well, another thing I, I think that's interesting is we're still learning. So I literally just learned um, we used to recommend a mic. Um, I think it was the Blue Yeti. It was the Snowflake one. So it's mm-hmm. like this blue round thing. I just and someone several people tried to explain to me that that's an omnidirectional omnidirectional mic. And. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I didn't understand what that meant. And right. I'm finally like, it finally clicked that mics like the ones we have now have a dead spot where it won't pick up room noise because there's a dead spot. Oh, I so didn't really... an omnidirectional. Well, yeah. I just learned this like two weeks ago. Um, and there's a, a word for it that I can't think of off the top of my head. Then there's the omnidirectional mics pick up everywhere. Everything. Yeah. So yeah, they're great for some things, but they're not as good for other things. They give you a lot of ambient noise. Yeah. So we're, we're always learning. We're always learning. I'm in a couple of podcasting Facebook groups and it's amazing the degree to which you can nerd out on this stuff if you want to. And there's sometimes like I see threads and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for four years. How do I not know this? And then I'm like, yeah, but I've been doing it for four years and mostly we get no complaints. So like I think, and yeah. And we have someone to think about that stuff for us. Yes, That's we do. We yes, we do. So. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, Megan, if anything comes to mind, we've talked about a few things that have changed over the years, but can you think of anything that's gotten easier and anything that's gotten harder? And I, um, I can speak to that first if you want to think on it. Yeah, go ahead. Let me think about that. Um, so I think the routine of recording has gotten a lot easier. We need, we need less time for setup. We need less um, time to prepare our outline. Our outline lives in a Google Doc that just keeps growing and we prepare it and we put our sponsor spots kind of scripted in there and a little outline. And so I think the routine, like we talked about, the routine of recording, it just doesn't feel like a big deal. And I think for a lot of podcasters, that's the hump of getting over that. Like it feels like a big deal to get set up. Um, I think a lot of things have gotten easier. Um, Just we're just in a groove. I think a couple of things that have gotten harder um, our audience is just a lot bigger than it used to be. And I sometimes yeah. feel the pressure of that just in the last like two or three months, we've gotten just a few, like not so nice emails or comments on the blog. Now you guys, I mean, it's like 95% so positive. And so many of you send yeah. us really nice emails, but you know how human beings are. We will focus on, yes, the, on one, the one or two. And I yeah. got one just the other day and it's like, oh, it just gives you that pit in your stomach. And Megan, you had more practice when you were blogging and writing and stuff probably in dealing with that. But I think that's a little harder on me, at least to be like, yeah. oh, OK, that was mean. Don't well, I mean, it go. was never easy for me. I remember, yeah. that, remember that like I had a huge thing where I had someone who was leaving really mean comments for a little while on my blog. Yep. And that hit me really hard. Like yeah. I really struggled with that, even though logically I knew this was like a super outlier and I can't make everybody happy. And like everybody else was so positive and so supportive. Like that one negative thing was really, really it's, got me down. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because the nature of our business means that we're, we're receiving all this feedback kind of in real time. So like you might be checking your yeah. email to work on a sponsor campaign and all of a sudden somebody's comment 
comes through that says you're boring and useless and whatever. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. OK. Oh. All right. Back to that yeah. thing I was doing. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, right. It, yeah. It, it, that has gotten a little harder. I think it's a little harder for us to keep coming up with great content ideas. I, I hope that we continue yeah. to serve you guys that. But the more we do it, I do think that's it's a challenge, but it's not a challenge I, I dislike. I think both you and I come from that editorial background where it's like, OK, the challenge is to take the same 10 ideas about motherhood and let's think of some new way to yes. do this that that serves you guys. So I don't I think that's gotten harder, but I don't hate it, I guess. I don't I it has gotten harder because we have so much content already, but also I do think repetition's always good. I I always like hearing the same message more than once if it's something I need to hear more than once or if I want to if I need to hear it um again right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of things that it, repetition is not bad, right. I don't think. Um and also, you know, we have this huge backlog, but we've forgotten a lot of the stuff. Right. We have to and sometimes say like yeah, we've changed. And sometimes we have to be like, wait, did we cover that? And we have to go digging. So if we don't even remember, yeah. chances are good. Listeners aren't going to be like, wait a second now. They right. covered that in episode three. So right. I, I think, you know, we're OK there. But um, to, to your point about setup being easier, Sarah, I was just laughing to myself when we were talking about the outline. Mm -hmm. Do you remember like for, I mean, months, every single time? Okay, maybe not every single time, but almost every time we sat down to record, I had to ask you where to find the show outline yeah. because I could never find it ever. <laughs> you would have to send it to me like every time. So yeah, you've come a long sometimes way. Sometimes I've come a long way. Like I know where it is now. Yep. So I can find it and uh, I don't need that that amount of handholding. So yeah. you see. <laughs> you know what I used to do that is so dumb in retrospect. So if you're in our Google Doc right now, Megan, it's probably like 200 pages long or something yeah. because I keep everything it, it just add the new show outline on top. But I didn't used to do right. that for a long time. I would delete it. And then when we started having more sponsors and that's what we're going to talk about yeah, next. Yeah. But then I realized, oh, we have talking points and, you know, our, our guidelines from that sponsor right in this outline. I don't have to go look them up again and paste them yeah. in again. They're just right here. So I just do right. a little searchy. A little searchy search. A um, little searchy search, yeah. Another thing that's gotten easier is uh, show notes and show promotion, which mostly I do. And the show notes are a blog post. It lives on our website, themomhour.com. Um, and same thing. I just have a lot of, just a lot of copy paste, a lot of, you know, I, I always write a little opening paragraph and it's just become pretty run of the mill, pretty easy. And yeah. we're just in a groove with that. But it is, it is another um, thing that happens in the production of a show is the show notes and then the social media promotion. I wanted to add that I think part of the reason we're able to mix up our recording schedule and kind of fly by the seat of our pants and do it last minute sometimes is because of all these efficiencies we've created yeah. and the habit. I feel like if the habit wasn't so, I mean, you, you referred to it as discipline earlier and I, it is discipline, but you can't, I don't know. I read in a quote the other day, something like discipline is the, is this frame of mind and habit is the action or something. And, Ooh, and okay. it's the, I, I probably totally bombed that. It was on Instagram. It was one of those inspirational Instagram posts, but you see what I'm saying? Like I we've do. no, without, no matter how motivated we were, or how disciplined we felt we could be without that habit, it would be really hard to be doing a weekly show. Um, without ha like the back, like just having it kind of built into our routines. And that's part of the reason why we can record on a Monday and, and publish on a Tuesday is because, We've done it so much that yep. all that like it used to be a three or four hour ordeal. Yeah. To just like plan it and talk about it and get the outline yep. together and sit down. And and now I think we've gotten faster and more efficient. We've gotten and way just better. More habitual. And I think we um, I think we strike a good balance between um, I would say I usually man the outline, but I lean heavily on you for 
idea inspiration because that's when I'm like, oh, I do not know what we're going to talk about this week. And then you usually have a really great idea. And then I go back into the outline. So we just play off each other well in that way. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code MOMHOUR. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. OK, Megan, let's talk about sponsors. We just yes. heard from one of them. Um, and OK, what I would love for you to start with is talk about you were making money from a blog back in the whatever, the early 2010s. When was that? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, I think 2010 may have been when I took my first blog sponsor. So do you, I would love for you to give the high level of how, um, what we do today and I'll get into a little bit of the detail, but how, what we do is feel similar or different to what sponsored blogging was like back in the day. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, and, and it could just be because we've been doing this for longer and maybe I just don't care as much, but there was like a big to do in the late you know, what, I never know how to refer to the 2000s that were before the 2000s, the, the late 2000s, the aughts. Yeah, the aughts. <laughs> um, from like 2005, I want to say is when kind of like major players started getting into the advertising game to, to well, like 2011, 12, 13, there was just this emerging 
an evolving dialogue. I'm saying the word dialogue, but what I really mean is like a knockdown drag out fight often mm-hmm. about how to ethically work with sponsors on your blog. And I feel that bloggers were often really unfairly targeted um, by like even the F- uh, FTC because there was like all this language that came out that bloggers had to use certain hashtags and stuff. And like from working in radio, I know for a fact that we don't have to do that. When we do right. endorsements and ads, you don't have to do that. And it's just built in. People just expect there to be ads. And um, blogging was this brand new thing. And people thought of it as a personal online journal and they really didn't expect to ever see ads. And then even just like sidebar ads created like a big kerfuffle at first. And then um, I love the word kerfuffle, by the way, Uh, that created a big kerfuffle. And then people kind of got used to that. And then we started to see sponsored content. So what I love, what I got really excited about with sponsored content on blogs is that it gave me an opportunity to do what I do best, which is talk about my family, talk about my kids, talk about my life and incorporate sponsors in a really authentic way. And I was always super clear about like this is a sponsor. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I didn't just come up with this idea that I'm going to write about cornflakes or whatever. Um, but I also felt like that if you did it well and not everyone did it well, but I feel like if you did it well, the content was also useful and helpful yep. and inspiring and all those things. And so I really enjoyed doing that. And I think that was when I saw like that kind of dovetailed, I would say the peak of me doing that kind of stuff was probably 2011, 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. And that was when I started podcasting. And at the time, the only podcast sponsors I had heard were kind of like your typical. Like a radio um, ad? Yeah, like more like a radio ad. And it would often be voiced by the host, but it sounded like it sounded like it was like Squarespace. It was like, hey, if you wanted to blah, 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 here's your promo code. And I just felt like there was a lot of room to do it a little a little more natively the way we were starting to do it in blogs. Um, I just wasn't hearing it done that way a whole bunch then. And I feel like that's kind of what we built it on. Like, let's talk about products we actually use and love and and want people to try and are excited about. Yep. Um, and if we do that and we'll make sure that we're helpful and honest and all that, then the ads will be actually fun to listen to and yep. not just a big bummer. And I, we've gone up and down. Like we know for a while we, we talked way too long because we would get so excited about our sponsors that we would talk about them for five minutes. And then we realized like, okay, <laughs> we need to tighten up and get better at that. Yep. Um, so it has evolved for us too, but I'm, I'm like really happy with the way that we've done it for the most part. And we're always experimenting and sometimes we'll do one and be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Like that didn't go the best or maybe we should do it differently next. Yeah. But um, was that kind of what you were asking? Yeah, Sarah? totally. No, yeah. I love, okay. I love that. And I think not everybody knows how, what sponsored content was like in the blogging world. So I think that's yes. kind of an important predecessor because I think there's a lot of parallels to what's happening now in podcasting. Um, the one thing I think is different in podcasting is I feel like it's the expectation is that podcasts will be sponsored. So I feel like there's just been less of that moral like dilemma. Yeah. I don't podcasts, think like bloggers really had a hard time yes. with the ads at all. Like people wanted it pure. The I space think to be um, totally pure. Uh, Instagram is a really good analogy for uh, the similar to what happened in blogging. Cause I know there's, there's Instagrammers who will take on sponsor campaigns and have a sponsored Instagram post. And I see the pushback and the kind of like, what do you, you're now you're selling out this kind of attitude, right. which I, I totally disagree with. I think if, um, if we have an audience and a platform and we can earn an income in a way that feels ethical to us and serves our audience and like everybody kind of gets to decide what that is for them, then I think it's just kind of plain mean to accuse somebody of selling out. I've seen it <laughs> yeah. recently on Instagrammers, yeah. but like, I agree. Yeah. I don't think the expect, I think podcasts have always come with some sort of ad. So I think yeah. it, it's less, we don't have to prove, or we don't have to um, not make an excuse. You know what I mean? We don't have to justify the fact that we have sponsors, but I think we're always looking for 
ways to do them that's best for everybody yeah. including ourselves well if i can if i can tangent a little Please. bit here i think it's because people are accustomed like to people who read blogs their analogy was it's like a magazine or a book mm -hmm. or um yeah like a magazine or a book and people who listen to radio or podcasts the equivalent is radio radio always has embedded ads you're just used to it you're driving yes. down the street you have the radio on you're gonna hear commercials you're also gonna hear the host doing endorsements it's right. just even if you don't know they are they are i promise you mm -hmm. um so when you're listening to or when you're reading a magazine the ads were and this has changed a lot too and i always thought it was very hypocritical um when print media would like kind of have a problem with blogging and like kind of make this accusation that blogs were less um, credible because mm -hmm. there were sponsorships where I always felt like the sponsorships were much more transparent Yes, because it was very obvious that what we were doing for the most part, not mm -hmm. everyone did it well, but what we were doing was sponsored content. And I uh, wrote for magazines for a long time and there's a lot, it might, you know, there might be this illusion that editorial and advertising is always completely separate and that's not the case. And no. so it's there no matter what, it's there. It's just that on a blog, there's literally not another page to put ads on. Like right. you don't have a place that you can just yeah. stick your sponsored content that people are actually going to go to. It kind of has to be embedded. And yeah. I think people couldn't make the, they couldn't make those two things fit. Right. So anyway, that's my oh. like tangent about that. And like I said, people, some people do it really well and some don't. And so, you know, well, I think I, if you're doing it poorly, your audience will start to go away. That's yeah. how you know. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, I thought I could talk a little bit about like the more day to day, how we sure. bring on sponsors. Um, and so I would say we didn't start getting any interest in uh, sponsors for about a year, year and a half. Now, you had some existing brands that you'd worked with on the blog that we were able to bring over. And we did a, yep. a few things here and there. But we would go months without having a sponsor. Um, and one piece of advice we always give to brand new podcasters is even if you have no audience, start with something that serves as a sponsor spot or an ad in your podcast. Even if that ad is you talking about um, your Amazon affiliate store or you promoting your own ebook, um, build that in to the flow of your show because it's it. Number one, it just helps train you to do it and trains your listeners to expect it. But also people will go back and listen to our our entire canon, Megan. Yeah. Um, yes. and we really see that as a missed opportunity to be honest, <laughs> um, yep. that we didn't build that in, but anyway, about a year, year and a half in, we started getting interest. Um, and the way it works is basically, um, a brand or an agency will want to know the size of your audience. And we measure the size of our audience as the number of people who will listen to any one given episode, um, because that's the metric that sponsors care about. We could say we get this many downloads per month or per year, but what they're interested in is how many people are likely to listen to the episode that I place an ad on. That's the magic right. number. Um, we've been so fortunate. Our numbers have grown and grown and grown and grown over the months, you know, pretty continuously. So it's a number that's always changing for us. But that number kind of anchors you in a place where you can charge a rate for reaching that audience. It's pretty simple math. Now, there's lots of variation in the industry. We Because we do our ads really conversationally, Megan, and I think we add a lot of value and we're really careful about the brands we choose, our prices reflect that. It's a, we, we charge yeah. a more premium rate because we're not just doing a 30-second scripted radio style ad read. Right. Um, yep. And people are are skipping our ads less because they are conversational. And so we charge a little more. But there's still at the end of the day, there's still a recommended industry standard rate that you can choose to be on the high end or the low end or whatever. But it's a it is a, a function of the size of your audience. And so when brands come to us, we have the opportunity to 
kind of put together a package and say, yeah, let's do three ads. This will be the rate. Sometimes we might include a little bit of social media. It will always include, you know, inclusion in the show notes. Um, and I would say half of the half of the brands we work with, probably a little less than half, maybe um, come to us directly from the company themselves. Um, so we're working with someone in-house at that company. And the other half or two thirds of the time, we're dealing with some kind of broker or agent or middle middle woman, middle person. Um, and so we sell those ads and once they're sold, we get a, usually a page of talking points and, you know, here are things we recommend you say, we always recommend that they give us loose guidelines and let us do our thing. Cause I think that turns out better ads, but sometimes yes. we have brands who are very specific about mm -hmm. what to say and what not to say. Um, and then you guys know the drill. There's usually a promo code or some call to action. We do usually record the ads right in the flow of the show every once in a while for extenuating circumstances, they'll have to be recorded at a separate time and kind of slipped in. But 90% of the time we have the talking points right in our outline and you guys here, we just kind of flow on through. I will say going back to the bloopers and the mess ups, all of our mess ups are in ads. It's just when, when you, when you have certain things you have to say, it's a lot easier yeah, to mess yes. up. Yes. And in a certain amount of time and, yeah. you know, and you don't want to ramble like we always do the rest of the time. Just right. Right. <laughs> no, yeah. it's true. Um, so yeah. we often have a little fixer uppers for our sound engineers to fix up. Um, and then we send those off to the sponsor. Um, it's already a done deal at that point. So we're paid a fee for those ads. It's different than um, like when you have affiliate partnerships, you might get paid a percentage of the people who actually sign up. Um, and that's, I think, a, that's a totally valid way to make money, too. It's just most of our almost all of our ads are um, sold regardless of the results that they produce, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, yeah. So I would say like a big part of my day to day is ad campaign management and sales. Um, it's interesting. We have not had any time in the last three years to do a ton of outbound sales. All of our ads are people coming to us, which we feel very, yeah. very fortunate. I think that's yeah. not, um, that's not how it works for everybody. And I think, um, if you're good at ad sales, I think being in podcasting ad sales could be a cool opportunity because, yeah. um, it's such a new, such a new area. So, um, yeah, yeah. If you guys have any questions about our sponsor campaigns, I feel like I feel like we're a pretty open book, um, but sometimes it's hard to know what's obvious and, you know, what yeah. you know and don't Agreed. know. So hit us up by email. Just ask us ask us a question. I want to move on and kind of um, talk about some growth and goals for this very okay. podcast, if that works with you. Do you want to briefly talk about how your um, work life is changing? Just real quick. We might get into that in another future longer episode, but you have not had a ton of time to put into this business until recently. No, I haven't. Um, for the, fir well, for the first, like what year and a half yes. of doing it, I was also it was running. You. Yeah. I was, yeah. Well, and I but I was also running multiple other things yes. and like blogging all the time and writing for clients. I had, um, con I had contract like content clients that I was doing. And then I had like a little bit of a respite and then started a full-time job last August, which I just left in June. Yeah. So, and now it's been summer. So it's yeah. like, I feel like once, once my kids are back in school, I'm going to have a lot more time to kind of hit the ground running and really invest myself in, um, all this stuff. And so, yeah, I'm excited about that. Like, I feel like we're suddenly like all your kids are going to be in school. Yep. All my kids are going to be in school and I'm going to be able to devote myself to this full time. So it's just going to be really exciting. I agree. And I feel like this is a good time to just 
throw some stuff at the wall and talk yes. about if we had unlimited time and budget. I, I put a bunch of things in the outline that may or may not actually ever happen. But I feel like if we if we had all the time in the world to put into this, what would we do? A couple of things I wrote down is live events. We've only done one live show. And I know you would love to get in front of a live audience, right? Yeah. Anything else yes. from this list that jumps out at you? Um, I want to do more st- uh, storytelling. I want to do more narrative style. I actually have kind of an idea that I'm um, kind of rolling around about sort of my life post-divorce, um, mm-hmm. but more more narrative and less kind of two people talking about, but more like, it's kind of hard to kind of describe, but more essay style, I guess yeah. I would say a little NPRE. Yeah. Um, that's something I'm still actively kind of, in, I'm in the pre-planning stages. Yeah. Um, hey, if there are any though, like moms out there listening, listeners who are going through a divorce or been through a divorce um, or about to go through a divorce, I would actually love if you emailed us because mm-hmm. I would love to kind of just have some people to talk to about it, possibly guests on the show. So um, just as an aside, if yeah. you are. Go ahead, email us hello at the com and just let me know because I would love to have like a little group, a little panel, yeah. if yeah. if you will. Um, that I think it's besides that and the live events, I would love like I did that retreat a few years ago. That was so great. Yes. I would love to do something like that, but bigger. Um, I would love to do more live um live recordings. That was so fun. Yep. We did that before. Um, we've talked about Patreon. I would love to create some kind of Patreon community. That's such a stupid thing that we haven't done it yet. And mm-hmm. so many people do it really well and we just haven't. So I think those are my wish lists. Yeah, I would love 10,000 Instagram followers. I'm just going to put it out there. That 10,000 is a um, kind of a magic number that opens up some cool tools on the behind the scenes Instagram. You can use it in different ways. And uh, our Facebook following is more robust because we've been building it longer. But our Instagram people are so awesome. It's like my favorite place to hang out with you guys on social. Yeah. And I hate being I'm really not focused on the numbers, but if I'm being really honest, we have about 3,500 and I would love to just triple that overnight. I don't know how to do it, but I'd love to um, <laughs> help us. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your um, friends. We do have um, we've had Katie contributing to the mom hour. Who's going to continue to be on the show periodically and contribute to our newsletter. We also have two new team members. We have Morgan who's helping us in accounting and finance. Who's been unbelievable. Cause hello, we have a lot of experience creating content and not a lot running a business that makes money. Um, and then we have Kelsey who came on as an intern and is now formally our sponsorship coordinator. So I feel like our team is growing and that's been amazing. I don't know. We've talked about doing a book. We've talked yeah. about, I, I'd like to get on TV. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, me too. Capacity. Yeah, that'd be fun. So I think there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, and now we have like four minutes to wrap up, Megan, but I want to, yeah. <laughs> I know, cause you have to yeah. hop on a call. This is real life yeah. guys. Yeah, this um, is real life. But can you, we, we gave the history of Life Listened, but do you want to kind of just let everybody know where we are right now? Yeah. Well, we, well, we've, about? you know, we've sort of vacillated a lot, right? Yeah. So Life Listened was supposed to be a boutique network, but we didn't know what that meant when we started. Like, what's a network? Does that mean it's just a group of loosely connected podcasts? Do we want to do all the production? Are we do the we producers? not want to do all the, are, yeah, <laughs> yeah, are we the producers? And it, what turned, what turned out is that, every show we brought on had different needs. Some really needed us and wanted us to produce and some really didn't. And so I think now we're kind of splitting and we're going to be, we're going to end up continuing to work with those shows in other ways. Like we've kind of put together this advertising collective where we're helping some shows get um, sponsors on their show and we're having a lot of fun doing that. Um, And it's something that we're good at because we've done it now for a while. Um, But we also still want to be a production company. It's just going to be on a smaller scale. So we're probably going to continue. We will continue to have shows that we produce ourselves under the life listened umbrella 
it'll just be a smaller and more select group. And so you can, podcasters will be able to work with us in a, in a multitude of ways, not just like come in and be part of our network. And we, you know, we will be your mother hen, which is what we were doing for a while. And it was super fun, but we just learned a lot. Yeah. (laughs) We just learned a lot about our capacity and our ability to manage that much. And it's, other people's needs. It's that age old question of scale, right? Like there are things right. you could do that could scale really big and we, there's benefits to that. And then there's things you could do where you could go really deep and focused and keep it small. And there's kind of both, but yeah, so we, yeah. we, ha- we are starting to, you know, work with more podcasters, but not in the way that we originally thought that life listened would look. So it is an evolving thing. If you ask us tomorrow, we might have a different idea, but it, it keeps yeah, us, we need to have another get together and keeps us up at night. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot and I'm really, you know, one thing I, I do want to tease really quickly yeah, is please. we are discussing doing this Patreon um, community. And yep. I think that's going to be something that's going to come soon. Probably I'm hoping in the next month or so yep. um, when it does, I think is when we're going to be able to talk about whoever joins our Patreon group, we're going to be able to talk kind of behind the scenes with them about things like, you know, uh, special content, what kind of shows we're going to produce in the future, those TV opportunities, live events. Like that'll be a great place to talk to us behind the scenes about that and yep. talk to other mom, our listeners and find out what other people want and yep. like really do a lot of brainstorming and maybe even do like a, so. like a, um, uh, like a Skype business meeting where we invite people yeah. in and give their opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you, if you aren't familiar, Patreon's a way to support creators that you like on a monthly basis for like a few dollars a month um, and then giving you access to additional fun bonus content. So yeah, podcasts are free, as you know, um, but it's a great way to uh, have a kind of a premium content situation going on. And then that allows us to do more cool stuff. So yeah. Um, okay. I would love to hear from you guys. Did we answer your behind the scenes questions? I feel like there's so many other things that we probably didn't even talk about, but I'm curious what you think, what other questions you have. You can hit us up by email. Hello at the mom Um, on Tuesday, I'll just tease Tuesday's episode coming up. We're going to talk about productivity and time management as a mom, whether you're staying at home, working from home, working outside the home. It's one of, it's kind of a topic that we used to do a lot on Megan, but I feel like we haven't on the podcast. So that's going to be fun. Um, And we may end up talking more about our work lives in that episode too, because it's kind of a dovetails nicely. So it does. All right, guys, this was fun. Um, Everything we talked about will be at themomhour.com and hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. Right. Sorry. What's my view? Um, what is I have dog noise going on? Oh, so that sounds like someone was shaking a maraca. He is. My dog is shaking a maraca. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're good. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. 
Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash the mom hour. 